Hello, and welcome back to another Chat with Sarita podcast. I am Sunny, and I am here speaking with Sarita Holtzman, and we are going to be talking all about a book that we recently read, and we would like to recommend to our Sunlight audience. So the name of the book is Why Not Women, and it's a fresh look at scripture on women in missions, ministry, and leadership written by Lauren Cunningham. Sarita, you brought this book to my attention, so I'm going to let you start. Why did you decide to read this book, or what made it one that you wanted to recommend? Well, to start with, I get a lot of samples, right? So it's one of those where I have a whole pile and I basically work my way through them as I have time. Uh, it's, I kind of count it as a huge privilege. It's a perk, actually, perk of my job. I, I love it and I'd rather read than eat and I love to eat, right? So it's one of those where I think it's perfect. I work my way through them and uh, this one happened to catch my eye. It was kind of an interesting topic, uh, partially because I happened to be a woman in leadership, right? So to think through, okay, what, what do I need to learn? What do I need to glean from this? Uh, do I need to change anything? Do I need to? It was one of those where I thought it was good. Uh, it's written by, of course, a key leader. Lauren Cunningham is um, well-respected. And so he has a little more gravitas than somebody maybe who I wouldn't have known before, right? He's uh, someone who started YWAM, uh, which is, of course, youth with a mission. And it's been a strategic uh, program used to train up our young people to go out on mission trips and uh, just basically do short-term trips and basically learn how to just do life with God a little better. It's been very strategic in the lives of a lot of young people. And he also uh, established the University of the Nations, which has uh, multiple campuses around the world. Uh, the main one is in Hawaii. So if you need to go to college someplace top, that might be a place to try. <laughs> but their goal is to raise up people who go out and try to bring the, bring the kingdom uh, to the nations of the world. So really a strategic guy, really a great, um, someone who I'd like to listen to. And it was a book about women written by men, which I thought was very novel. Usually when you have a book uh, written by, which was written by women, but to have two men, uh, Lauren writes it with uh, David Hamilton, who basically took his chapters from his master's dissertation. So it's um, got a lot of, it's got the scholarly piece, plus Lauren's pieces in there as well. So what did you think when you read it, Sunny? Well, I loved it. As I was reading it, it, it really felt a lot like a sunlight book that I would read, you know, with my kids or something as part of their Bible curriculum. And um, of course, the missions focus at the beginning of the book, you learn about world missions, you know, what is going on today, as well as in the past missionally. I am such a history nerd that I loved the history of like Greek, Roman and Jewish culture, really saw that strong historical tie and realized how little I knew about those cultures before. I, I thought I knew a lot, but I thought David Hamilton brought so many things to light that I was unaware of, um, the role of women in society in all of those cultures, and then even into the modern day in our understanding of culture. So for me, that was just fascinating. Also, it was a new perspective. Like you said, men writing about women in leadership and spiritual callings is something you don't often see. So to hear that new perspective that was you know challenging in some ways from other things I've read and different. Uh, things that I hadn't considered before was just such a, a new experience, I think. Mm. And so it reminded me a lot of those perspective shifting books that we read in Sunlight. I also, before we started recording, I was telling you, I love the sections about biblical translation and the importance of words. Of course, I was drawn to Sunlight because I like to read 
I love the written word. And so, especially when I'm doing my own Bible study, I love to look at, you know, what's the Greek word here? What did that mean to the original reader and the original audience? And so reading in context, so many of those things they bring up in this book. And then of course that women are the focus and girls can see themselves in the story, which is something that has often been the case in many of our Sunlight books. Obviously as a woman myself, I always find it interesting to read about other women or the role of women in different cultures or society. And so, yeah, there were so many things that I was like, oh, I feel like I'm reading a Sunlight book. But I, I felt like I learned so much too. It was still very highly readable, but appealed to the academic side too, the, the history and the translation and things that I really enjoy. So after reading it, I'm now recommending it to so many people because I just enjoyed it so much. But let's dive into what the book is about. I know I kind of touched on some of the things that they go over and you did as well, but let's tell people what is the premise of the book? How is it broken down so they can decide if they want to read it too? Good. Uh, like the cover said, it's a fresh look at scripture on women in missions, ministry, and leadership. So I just feel like that um, is one of Cunningham's quotes is, I see the body of Christ recognizing leaders who the Holy Spirit indicates, the ones whom he has gifted, anointed, and empowered without regard to race, color, or gender. So that's basically the premise of the book. Let's figure out how to empower leaders to do what they're called to do. So that's, that's kind of his heart and his, gener his uh, passion. Uh, he has almost a prayer in there. Uh, As this emerging generation studies the Bible free of cultural blinders, they will see that the Lord has always used both women and men to proclaim the good news and do a better job with this, to prophesy the word of God to their generation. So it's one of those, but that's his premise, his goal, and his plan. And how the book is laid out, the structure of the book is it opens with Lauren Cunningham writing the first four chapters. And he writes them based on his experience as he's traveled the world, as he's met with uh, people who are working in his universities as he's met with uh, Christian leaders around the world, he's basically noticed how God has used different people in different ways. So he talks about, um, uh, he, he, he's pretty passionate actually about women in leadership. He feels like they've had a very strategic role in the world. Um, and he says at one point that he believes the blocking of women from leadership actually slows God's work. And if we think about that, we think, okay, there's a, you know, if you think half of the women in the world are half, I mean, if you're cutting off half, that, that, that's a big chunk. And he would actually say it's a little higher than that because uh, so often the churches are formed with more women than men. So if we, uh, we cut that all off, it feels like that's a very strategic cut uh, that we can have. He, he says too, that it cuts God's potential workforce in half. And I think, oh, that's actually an interesting point. Uh, he says it can also lead to pride in men if they say only men can do leadership things, not to their detriment not only to the detriment of women, but to the detriment of men as well, which I think true. Uh, the enemy has always attacked women. <laughs> we think if we look at the world globally with women, you know that uh, women get the least food, the least education, the least health care. Uh, they just, um, it's always been a place where women are trafficked more. And it's just um, the plight of women is a huge deal. We know that that's a reality. Uh, and he believes that it's because of the promise that the seed, the seed is coming from the woman. So the women are strategic in that way, and he believes they get a greater attack because of that. He thinks, too, when women are blocked from doing strategic things, it reflects badly on God. He looks unjust. I thought, wow, well, we certainly don't want 
And as a watching world watches, we don't want them to say, uh, we serve a God who doesn't care about women. <laughs> I thought, oh man, it kind of breaks my heart as I think about it. And it attacks the image of God. This is all from Cunningham. He says uh, both male and female, both uh, and unity is part of his plan. Uh, did you have any thoughts on that, Sonny? Yeah, I thought all of those things, I mean, even the first one that you talked about, the potential workforce being cut in half, and he talks about all the different women who started ministries as well. And when you look at that, the amount of Christians around the world, the majority of them are women, or even if you're looking at the world population, to cut it in half, that's something that I had never really considered before, I don't think, that oh yeah, that would be half the people out there. Also where it makes God look unjust when leaders are saying, oh, only men can be leaders here, right? That is very much a cultural societal view. Just different things that I don't know that I had really thought about that deeply before. Of course, you know, I've grown up in a Christian home. I knew, you know, since I was little that I was created in God's image. But when you think about how does the world see that? Or how do other, see, other people see that if women are not elevated to the same roles men are? Um, I just found that something that, oh yeah, I've never really considered it because I think, you know, my perspective comes from, I've always lived in the United States. I haven't dealt with any sort of persecution that people in other parts of the world are facing and definitely not to that extent or living in those societies. So yeah, it was very eye-opening in a lot of ways when he was talking about, you know, different things he's seen around the world. And then these views that he's really developed through studying the Bible and being around these mission organizations. He talks about how women are typically the first ones in missionary movements. People like Gladys Allward, Mary Slessor, different books that we actually use in Sunlight's program. We learn about these women, but oftentimes they were told, no, we're not going to support you. We're not going to sponsor you. And they felt the call from God and they went and, you know, had a huge impact in the world. I found those, those early chapters, it was like light bulbs were going off all over the place of, oh, why have I not thought about this before? Let's talk a little bit about where he's talking about the gifts that come from God. We, we talked about, you know, everyone is created in God's image. But he talks about both women and men are given natural gifts, Holy Spirit, imparted gifts, and ministry gifts. So what what was he saying there, and, and what did you glean from that? Mm. Uh, what I have in my notes here is that he holds that women and men are given natural gifts, Holy Spirit, imparted gifts, and ministry gifts. He asks, how can we read Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, then separate the gifts listed there into male and female categories? I thought, oh, I never thought about that before. That feels, that feels like a, a good question. Uh, one of the things too, he, this is all Cunningham's piece where he basically kind of talks through how he's, his journey of how he got to the point where he believes women are leaders, right? So he talks about the gifts that God gives the gifts to all of them. He talks about how women were in missions. He talks about how women were leaders. Uh, even in the Old Testament, you know, he mentions Deborah who served as both a prophet and a judge during the days of the judges in Israel. Uh, she, uh, we talk about, he talks about Miriam, that she was one of the three leaders of Israel when they left Egypt and traveled to the promised land. Um, he, in the New Testament, Paul recommends Phoebe's leadership in the same way as he recommends Titus's leadership. So there's just places where he's going, no, the Bible actually talks about women as leaders as well. Um, he calls uh, Junius an apostle. So we've got um, mission and people, leaders, We've got an apostle, Junie is a considered apostle, talks about different prophets that he meets up in the book, um, different female prophets. 
Uh, he talks about teachers, that teachers, there's many teachers, even in the Bible. <laughs> this was, I thought this was very interesting. He says, um, Cunningham claims that women served as teachers, at least, get this, 866 verses, okay, who counted them, <laughs> of scripture came to us through women. Uh, if God really did prohibit women from teaching, then men must not read verses that came down through women, but then they would be taught by those women. <laughs> and then he talks about coworkers. He figures that out of the 39 coworkers that Paul mentioned by name, one fourth of them were women. Uh, he talks about women evangelists. The evangelists were in the Bible in the day in the days of the Bible, as well as today. And he lists the Samaritan woman as one of the first of those evangelist women. So key roles uh, for women, he believes have both been in the Bible in the modern era. So he feels like let's use women. That that's his premise. Yeah. And I, I loved what he said about Jesus put women in the spotlight, right? If we're looking for an example of, <laughs> is this okay? Is this allowed? Jesus himself had many inter interactions with women, including the Samaritan woman. But he, he brings up the point that there were women at his birth, death, and declaring his resurrection. So to think that in that society, which we learned more about later in the book, where women were not elevated or mentioned, often to have all of these different encounters where Jesus is treating women the same way he's treating men and, and having them be involved in key moments in his life and ministry on this earth was, it was huge. And he said, some women are called to be leaders. Some are called to be homemakers. Women must have the freedom to obey God and be fulfilled in the gifts he has given them. So I think so often we listen to what culture or society tells us we should be, but he brings up the fact that God called us all to be different things and he has given us different gifts. And so we need to be listening to that call. Let's talk a little bit about David Hamilton's section of the book. I mentioned earlier, a total history nerd. So I loved his sections, just the, the nerdy academic side of myself was getting so excited about that. Let's talk about what he brings up, you know, not just in modern ministry, but historically speaking, how we ended up in this place where Jesus was so radical in his treatment of women. Mm -hmm. Well, he starts with the Greeks and he starts there because of course that was about the time when Jesus was no, back up. The Greek culture influenced the Roman culture, which was when Jesus walked on earth. So if we go back to the Greek time period, oh boy, that was a tough chapter to read. Uh, just the way they viewed women was uh, kind of took your breath away. It was, they were so uh, evil and they were, the disdain just kind of oozed out of it. Everything from their playwrights to uh, the writer, writers that you read today and the things they would say about women. I just thought, holy mackerel, <laughs> they weren't to be trusted. They were given to men as a curse. They were the greatest of evils and they were the source of all evil. Oh boy, it was, like I said, it was a tough chapter to read. What did you think? I agree. Yeah. Like I said, I, I thought I knew about Greek society, but I did not understand, yes, to the level or the gravity almost that females were considered like a deformed male and and were the source of all evil. And so, yeah, they did not want women in their life really at all. And so they kept them at home and just reading, you know, the view of women at that time. I mean, it, it was shocking, again, coming from the modern world in the U.S. where I'm able to go about as I please, and they were kept at home, kind of hidden away, and it was because, yeah, they, they were blamed for basically anything that went wrong. 
in society and then the romans came along and like you said they they followed those ideas and it's so opposite the beginning you know the origin of life that we read about in the first three chapters of genesis where god created man and woman to have that shared origin that shared destiny and the romans again were were treating women as being beneath men followed by children and slaves and all the different categories that we often read about in in the Bible and the different commands to the different groups of people. But a lot of that stemmed from the fact that there was a major hierarchy, both in Greek and Roman culture. Let's talk about, though, the Israelites were given God's commands from the very beginning. How, how had their attitudes kind of shifted? Um, I found this very interesting from where they were originally, but then how their attitudes had shifted by the time Jesus arrived mm -hmm. on the scene. Hamilton believes that the Jews actually adopted a lot of those cultural uh, beliefs that were around them. Uh, women were blocked from entering the temple. They weren't allowed. They were allowed to stay in the outer court of the Gentiles, but they weren't allowed to go in. Uh, they were forbidden to study the Torah. Why, why wouldn't they be allowed to study the Bible? That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, and they were considered more prone to sin than men. I thought, well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> there were lots more, lots more interesting, lots more um, examples in there, but I thought these are kind of a nutshell of what that all happened. And then we get to Jesus, who, like you said earlier, he so dealt with women differently. Uh, it says Jesus, Jesus's mission wasn't gender biased, which I thought oh, that's very interesting. Now, the women we know, women followed Jesus. They were part of the crowd that came with him. They they honored, they uh, supported him. They were part of his almost his ministry team, right? Where they saved money from their wages and they took care of what his needs and those kinds of things. So that's kind of the thinking that's been kind of gone through through from time beginning. Uh, thoughts on that? Yeah. So yeah, that part about um, like not being allowed to read the Torah, I found that really interesting and it, it solidified the importance of education. How hmm. were women supposed to find God if they were not reading the Torah or knew what the scriptures said? I mean, their salvation at that point, what they believed hinged on what their husband or their sons did. So even to think of you've raised your son and now he's a man and you're beneath him and your your salvation hinges on what he does, you know, so, so very different, obviously, than what we know brings true salvation now. And so that importance of understanding and knowledge and just reaffirmation of why it's so important to read the Bible and we have access to the scriptures in a way that people before us didn't. I found that incredibly moving. He also talked about, you know, how baptism was what Jesus demonstrated now as an outward sign of our faith and the decisions that we've made, which was a brand new way to now welcome women in to that covenant, as opposed to circumcision, which had been there in the Old Testament and was only available to men and women were seen as property. I mean, just so many things that it was kind of like, oh, why have I not thought about this before or considered this that he brought to light it's it's a book that you just sit there like wow <laughs> throughout the chapters I would read something and then I'd be like oh my goodness now I need to do this I haven't thought of this or you know anything like that but but yeah he talks about how women served in key roles in Jesus ministry you know they were followers supporters deacons all of that and then he goes in to unpack all of Paul's letters to the church and what they mean of course you know we have all the different commands or we've probably all heard different sermons on 
on Ephesians and Corinthians and all the different things, first uh, and second Timothy that Paul has said. But I really like the way he did it is he discussed, you know, what that church was like, what society was like for that church when he was talking to a specific person or general people. And so I found that very illuminating to understand in the context. And if you understand the Greek word, this Greek word can be translated six different ways. What do we think Paul actually meant? All of that. So there's so many things in there that we won't dive into it here, but we do encourage you to read the book. I found those passages so fascinating. And that has been something that even my 14-year-old daughter has said, well, what does Paul really mean here? I said, oh, read this book. You you will see exactly where it's spelled out by somebody who knows way more about the ancient Greek than I do. But let's talk about Cunningham's challenges at the end. He he gives challenges to different groups, but I thought the, the leaders and women groups were especially impactful. Do you want to talk about that? I'd be glad to, but I'd like to read his quote. Um, Cunningham, he closes the book where he speaks to different groups, like Sonny said. But to the leaders, he says, be a good steward by releasing the gifts of those who serve with you, women and men, younger people and older ones, and those from backgrounds different than yours. The more people you release, the more God will bless you and your ministry. I thought, wow, that, that's, that's a pretty strong challenge. And it's one of those where we might want to take it at heart. And then to women, he said, if you are called by God, Decide that you will obey the Lord. God gives gifts to all. Let's grow in them and use them. So, yeah, absolutely. So, I real quick will talk about just kind of the my final takeaways. Obviously, I I've said I learned a ton. I love this book, and it's one that I definitely will be recommending to a lot of people. But I really appreciated that breaking down of the biblical passages and what they meant in the original language, the translation process, and then how that culture understood them. Because I think we know the Bible was written thousands of years ago, but we still, our tendency is to read it the way we would read something being written now. And so that reminder of what was that culture like? And I loved the detail that he gave on all the, the different churches and what was happening there. And, and you do see that people haven't changed a whole lot, right? We still do a lot of the same things, make the same mistakes, but it makes it so much easier to understand those passages. And then he said something about how we listen more to our culture than God, even today. So throughout history, people were doing that. That was the issue early on, but even today, are we listening to our culture more than we're listening to God. He talks about God's gifts and callings. He should be our priority. And it's a great reminder to get back and do that. He doesn't make mistakes. He's created us all in his image. So are we listening to that? I mean, all of those things I thought were highly impactful. And yes, definitely recommend that people read this book and and, and look at that. What, what is God calling you to do now? And are you listening? Are you more concerned with what he's saying or what culture is saying? All of those different things. Did you have any final thoughts as well, Serena? Well, uh, just as a final thought, we at Sunlight, we do regularly that our students and our children uh, will be do all that God calls them to uh, to do and to be. That's, we just, that's just a passion of our hearts. And it may be uh, that we all hear and obey his call. And I thought maybe we should probably reiterate the title because we've talked about it this whole time, but uh, we probably should have almost held up the cover of it. It's called Why Not Women? A Fresh Look at Scripture on Women in Missions, Ministry, and Leadership by Lauren Cunningham. So hopefully this has been good. Thank you all for listening.
Yeah, and thank you for being here and bringing this recommendation to it. <laughs>